With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And Bob, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man. I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, she's half. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Talkin they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a loss. And who the ball, who so listen to Professor, yes, sir, yes, sir, and pay attention. This is Dr. Ville with Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. They are back in the building making runs on Sundays. We didn't get to hear. We didn't make sure Charles got to put up his cigar, but we put it up there for him, but it looks like he's timely. He found it himself. <laughs> Charles, what is the occasion? Dr. Ville. The streak is finally over. It is finally over. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. But I, I have to. I have to say it was. It was. A, it was a fight, and that, that's a worthy team. That Southern football team uh, was tremendous uh, in terms of uh, what they were able to present to Jackson State. Tremendous challenge, but at the end of the day, uh, Jackson State was able to get it done. I think that's what uh, Jackson State fans. It was a long time coming. Yeah, congratulations to you and all the Jackson State fans out there. Well done, well played. It was a thrilling game, thrilling game in many different ways. I was totally excited about watching it. But in terms of Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. I uh, had a chance to play a little, uh, little golf tournament today on behalf of the Prairie View Foundation. So I had a chance to hit the sticks today. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a cigar. Uh, PV fell short uh, on its road tour to Alcorn State. Hard-fought game. Uh, too many mistakes. Um, bad calls or bad officiating calls, you know, toward the end of the game. You can call it, you know, you can call it what you want. You know, Prairie View gave, you know, the officials a, a, a chance to, you know, to, to, to botch or make calls. So, unfortunately, you know, Prairie View lost. They still control their destiny if they went out. So, uh, unfortunately, I don't have my cigar just yet, but I know I will have it soon. And it looks like, you know, it, it's headed toward uh, that little city in Mississippi called Jackson. So, uh, I'm, I'm, my cigar is right behind me. <laughs> if you will, it's getting ready. It will make the trip to Jackson. It is a Cuban, so we hold that. We hold we in in the Texas Alpha Nation 
hold that uh, for a special occasion. So when we when we face Jackson, when we beat Jackson State, you know, mm. we, cigars will come out to play. That's just mm. a little band. Me and my good friend CB there. Yeah, Mike. <laughs> Hey, hey, you can you can put that cigar in a glass case. I love it. Keep it in the glass case. That's where it will stay. Right? <laughs> oh, man. Hey, y'all got two weeks for all this. Come down. Come down. This is not Camille's inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike and Charles Bishop, and they are having too much fun. But welcome to the lab listeners out there. Welcome to episode 207 Inside HBC Sports Lab radio show and podcast with show that's covering the sporting HBC dash for all things HBC sports. From institutions large and small, from the NAIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture and the HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. Have you heard from Professor Bishop and Professor Washington, the HBCU sports culture was in, in full effect this weekend. The athletic aesthetics HBCU framework was just that. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavilla, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to KCH 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, Ralph Cooper in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. You know, on Facebook, you have that uh, little thing that comes up at the top of your page that sends you memories. I have a picture where we shot um, a show up there from the top of h and Arena looking onto the court with all the championship banners, I look I'm like, man, that's a nice little picture there. I'm going to have to send that to y'all. With that cool. being said, let's get into it. I'll start it off. Um, big news of the day, Monday afternoon that evening around 4, almost 5 o'clock, Grandma State Parks ways with head coach Roderick Fobbs. This is according to GSU Tigers, Grandma State's vice president of intercollegiate athletics announced today that head football coach Roderick Fobbs has relieved of his duties effective immediately. You're talking about being at the height, Celebration Bowl, winning the Celebration Bowl, national champion, uh, back-to-back, having a tough loss the second year, but how things change and fall off um, to where you're actually losing to uh, programs that are getting their first and second win against you. It's been a tough year, uh, including what happened in the spring. I do want to get your insights before we go to other news. Just what are your thoughts on this? I'm going to start with you, Mike Wash. What are your thoughts in terms of Grandma State parting ways, if you would, with Broderick Fobbs? Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. And, you know, you tip your hat despite the consequences to, you know, Coach Fobbs. He's done a tremendous job. The last few seasons, you know, they've seen kind of a downplay or a regression, you know, uh, but, you know, we can't overlook and overstate the, the the impact that he had to this program. They, you know, a, 20, a 2017 championship, you know, they, you know, so unfortunately they've had a downslide and, you know, unfortunately decisions have to be made. So he was hired in 2014, you know, he, you know, he completes his, you know, his term, you know, at 54 and 32 overall, which included, you know, SWAC championships, two celebration bowl appearances, and the Black College Football National Championship. So despite the fact that, you know, Grambling has decided to part ways, you got to tip your hat to the job that he's he came in and, and has done. You know, you know, three-time SWAG Coach of the Year. That, you know, they don't give those out. So you got to tip your hat 
And unfortunately, it just, you know, was where the rubber meets the road. And unfortunately, Grambling had to make a decision based on recent data points, recent performance. But you can't overstate the job that that Coach Fobbs has job, you know, done. Typically, we always look at what what have you done lately, lately. But you got to look at the totality of his whole tenure and look at what he's done at for Grambling. So I'm sure he'll rest on 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 solid feet. But hats off to Coach Fobbs. Unfortunately, they had to separate, and and you know that's the business that we're in. Charles, uh, in lieu of that. What are your thoughts in terms of this being this new Coach Prime, Deion Sanders factor, Jackson State, uh, the influx and expansion of the SWAC, new SWAC, as some people like, I like to call it in terms of Bethune-Cookman, FAMU, the success that is going on with East. How much of that plays into this decision now that uh, we've talked about this a little bit, there's this race to be at the top, particularly in the sport of football, but now with the heightened sensitive and all the additional eyes that are on the SWAC, how do you believe that played out in this decision? Oh, I definitely believe it played out uh, in regards to this decision uh, because you can't fall too far back uh, in the pack. And I think that that went into uh, making this decision now. Uh, uh, like you, Mike said, a, sort of a disappointing turn of events uh, for the Gremlin football, but uh, I echo his sentiments uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, when you take a look at what Roger Fobbs uh, did for this Gremlin football program, he resurrected it. Uh, I remember when he came in, uh, this was a program that did not make the trip to Jackson uh, for a football game. It was a, a complete disarray. And what he came in and did was absolutely, completely, and totally resurrected the Gremlin football name. Uh, and they slowly made that ascension back to uh, where we were used to seeing Grambling. So I, I always take my hats off to him uh, in that regard. So uh, I, I think, you know, with regards to kind of the recent downturn in Grambling football, uh, the, the Florida A&M, Bethune-Cookman, the Coach Prime effect, all of it plays in, uh, plays in to, uh, I think, where Grambling wants to be or trying to get back to. And they want to make sure they don't fall too far back in the pack. So, uh, you know, like Mike said, this is the business. This is um, – the nature of the business, so it is what it is in that regards. But uh, Coach Roger Fives was tremendous during his time frame at Grimm. Yes, great point made by both of you all. Ricky Burton, Frank Franklin Nelson, uh, Lenzo Phillips chiming in and giving you a hard time, Mike. Thomas Einstein Maddox, Chad Cooper. New AD made a move quick, fast, in a hurry. Yes, yes. Varick Thomas, I mean, Varick Williams in the house. Chuck Hunt, always in here. Michael Road Dog Reed, giving us uh, some love today, checking it out. LaShawn Harris, Troy Franklin, Jason Thornton, Tremaine Scott, Ron Alvarez, Anthony Johnson, Jason Thornton, Lonnie Shaw. Hey, y'all, word on the street is Gramlin is following JSU and TSU and looking at Hall of Famer Jerry Rice and Barry Sanders. Interesting. I don't know where that's coming from. Yeah. Chad new AD is under pressure to make a good hire. Fired a man with a winning conference record and a championship. Yeah, I, I certainly believe he's on the thing, but don't get it fooled, people out there. ADs in this business in this time do not make a unilateral decision uh, to dismiss a football coach. And in schools that are basketball programs, they don't do that. They They have 
checked out the landscape. They have the support of the president. They have support of the board. And you better believe they have support of key uh, alumni stakeholders. So never go in these things thinking that the athletic director all alone has made that move. Now, does he have a huge play to part, part in it? And will he ultimately be one of the key stakeholders? Yes. And certainly for somebody that has just come in the program, whether they're at Alabama State or at Grambling State, they did not make that decision alone. Going into a different direction, I had a lab homework assignment for Brian and AD of the sports rap, and they brought this up yesterday. We started talking about, and I've been playing with these numbers, um, and we talked about this very early. Charles, you said something about the East Division. Mike, you talked about the West Division. Well, they did a homework assignment and did the records of the East versus the West. Check this out. All the lab listeners, this is the homework assignment. They got it done. I think I graded them as an A plus with this. The Eastern Division of SWAC has two top teams in the most black college football polls, and both are ranked nationally in the FCS, as well as defending conference champion with the returning conference player of the year. Has the East really been the bad beast that many prognosticators thought they might be? Well, let's analyze the head-to-head against their opponents from the West Division. That is a quote coming straight from Brian as he did and compiled his data. The week 11 of the season, the SWAC East has won nine of 14 cross-divisional games. Over the last three weeks, they really started to dominate. East is eight and one over nine games. That includes this past week, week 10, they were four and oh. Week nine, they were three and one. Week eight, they were one and oh. During the first four weeks, cross-division games, the West Division had won four to five contests, and I kind of put that out there. I got radio silence after that. Overall, road teams have won eight of 14 cross-divisional games. This was key to me. Last week, all four games won by the East were as the road opponent. Mm. That was key. Jackson State, Bethune-Cookman, Alabama a and and Florida a and go on the road late in the season to get key wins. Wow. What's left? There are four cross-divisional games remaining, so the East will have the better record regardless but we'll just see how dominating that is. Three this weekend and one the last weekend. Those games are Alcorn State at Jackson State, Texas Southern at Alabama State, UAPV at Alabama a and Mississippi Valley State at Prairie View Week 13. So I'm interested in your thoughts. I'll start with you, Charles. As you said in a lot of ways, yeah, it may start early in the West, but you said by the end of the year, you thought it would be the East. Well, crown you with another. <laughs> masterpiece is um, we're going to have to start making sure that we bring you when we go to the casinos and the betting man because uh, you got to go over right now. What are your thoughts with this? Uh, when you take a look at the top three teams in the, in the SWAC East, uh, uh, I, you just feel uh, number number one and two, Jackson State and Florida a defense, I think, are two of the best defenses in the nation. And then you take a look at Alabama A&M, one of the top offenses in the nation. It's a lot to deal with. And then uh, I've been so impressed with Mississippi Valley during the course of the year. And I know Mike's Valley, Valley but the Valley plays a, uh, a solid brand of football. Uh, sometimes it gets snake bit, but they've been in- impressive this past season. So I, I just kind of looked at those top three teams, much as we used to look at those top three teams in the West and kind of, 
you know, kind of decipher that those 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 teams are can, can kind of hold water, if you will, in the SWAC East. Whereas when you take a look at in previous years in the SWAC West, you always had a, a Grambling Southern and, and maybe a, a, a surprise sitting out there in the SWAC West. Uh, but you they SWAC West took advantage of some down years for uh, a Jackson State, especially. So uh, I think you know that plays into it a, a little bit there too. Great points made, Mike. Your thoughts? Yeah, as one who who had picked, you know, the the top three to come out of the, the West, um, you can't deny the fact that the the you know the top two teams, as Charles alluded to, you look at you look at defense, you look at Jackson State um, and Florida A and M, top two defenses. You look at Alabama and M, who's really come on strong here lately, uh, you know, with their offense, which is you know still you know, re, uh, revitalized. We thought we were going to have to tap to get a pulse. Um, but, you know, when we look at the West, the teams that we thought would be in there, you know, Southern, what happened to Southern? Alcorn State started out slow, but they're peaking up. And then, you know, you look at, you know, what Grambling, you know, they've kind of fallen off a little bit. So, and then, you know, the big surprise is after a huge performance in the spring, UAPB has just fallen off the radar. I, uh, you know, I see, I sit on several chat lines and you're like, you get questions like, has UAPB just mailed it in? Um, because they, you know, with Skylar Perry and that new, that offensive crew, even though it's newer from, it's new from the spring, you, you expected them to compete this fall and that just didn't happen. So um, it's a bit of a surprise to me because I actually picked the West to have the three strongest teams. And actually it is proving to be the East based on statistics, based on data. I mean, ba- not just based on head to head wins, but if you look, let, look at data, analytical, you know, statistics in all categories, you know, unquestionably, you know, with a few exceptions, it is the East that is really dominating the stats as, as well as the head to head victories as, as what was re- uh, revealed in your homework assignment. This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBC Sports Lab with Professor Bishop, Professor Washington. We're going to take this first quarter break. We'll be right back on the other side, give you the poll rankings. Won't take us long there, but we'll get into some other discussions and maybe give you some more news. But let's get into this first break. We'll be right back after this. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvinboutique.com. That's www.melvinboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique.
another shot. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna lock yeah, and who the ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes, and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Lil inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. I see y'all chopping it up out there in the lab lecture halls, man. That homework assignment got y'all going. Up into it, talking about the Grambling dismissal. Y'all got a lot going on. I like it. I like it. Matchups coming up. Y'all still fired and heavy. But let's get into the poll rankings. We're going to start with the mid-major division. Not a lot of changes here, but it sure could make things interesting in the playoffs if we find some of these teams facing off each other. Let's get into it. Uh, at number 10, you have Lane Dragons, 6-4 and four and 3-3. Three and three. Um, their season is complete. We have number nine, Charles Bear, Charles Bears, I should say. They're six and four, five and two. Uh, they dropped three spots in the poll along with uh, Lane, as you saw. And then at number eight, you have Kentucky State Thoroughbreds. They're at seven and four, uh, four and two on the season, 22 points. They got a victory last week when most people were not playing because the season completed. As you got into the CIAA, SIAC championships, they scheduled the game. They won it, so they were able to jump up three spots. At number seven, Virginia Union Panthers are six and four, five and two, 31 points. Previous rank eight, so they slide up a spot. At number six, you have Miles Golden Bears. Uh, although they lost there, they still move up in terms of three spots of previous being nine. They stay in the mix there in a lot of ways in terms of what's going on in that mix. Let's get into top five where it gets interesting. Uh, actually, at number five is Virginia Union Panthers, six and four, five and two. Um, they move up a spot, two spots. At number four, you have Fayetteville State Broncos, 8-2-7-0, as they fall a spot after losing the CIAA championship game. At number three, you have Savannah State Tigers, 8-2-5-1, did not play, but they move up a spot uh, based on the strength of the Western Division of the SIC. At number two, Albany State Golden Rams, 10-1-6-0, uh, not, I mean, four first place votes, 82 points, as they will play in the Division II tournament. We'll talk about that a little more in the second half of the show. At number one, Bowie State Bulldogs, 10-1, 7-0, six first-place votes, 93 points. Stay at number one. Uh, it will be interesting to see what takes in the place in the playoffs. As you see, the first-place votes is relatively close there. Both teams are playing at a high level. Both teams have 10-1. and one. Both teams were undefeated in conference play. Both teams won their <laughs> uh, conference Championship game, it'll be fascinating. One team is ranked a little higher in terms of their ranking in the playoffs. But, Mike, what are your thoughts on the poll rankings this week in week number 11? As Bowie State is third straight week, they're number one. Yeah, no, <clears throat> no real surprise with Bowie State. I think they, <laughs> they, <laughs> they turned out to be who, they, who we thought they were. Um, so no real surprise. Their, their offensive output, um, I guess, you know, you look at <laughs> you look at that same matchup again against Fayetteville. What happened? Same story again. 
and again. <laughs> and again. Groundhog Day. Yeah, exactly. So, so no real surprise there. Hats off to Bowie State for being able to reload with their talent. So, so I think your your poll on uh, Doctor Bill is spot on with this one. Charles, what are your thoughts on the poll ranking in the mid major division? I would say he has six shutouts. Correct. Yes. Hmm. Ooh. I'm 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 tipping I'm tipping in their favor on number one. Yeah, I think they actually say in some way in terms of defense they have seven because one of the games the score came off the offense on a pick six fumble recovery for a touchdown wasn't against literally defense. So yeah, they've been dominated on the defensive side. I would point out that Louis State did lose one first place vote, so it's gotten a little closer. In terms of it, I think in a lot of ways it's just going to go who goes the furthest in the tournament. It, sure. it would be a beautiful thing yeah. if they actually played in the regional uh, round to go to the, essentially the final four. But it'd be fascinating to see in terms of what that looks like in terms of the semifinals. Tough road to go in terms of getting past Vadosa State if they're able to get out of these first rounds. Again, we'll yeah. talk a little bit more about that. Let's get into the major division poll so we have a chance to get into it. Two teams drop out this week, major division. Tennessee State Tigers, five and five, three and three. They will not likely have a winning season. They play Mississippi State to end the season. Uh, Norfolk State Spartans, six and four, two and two. They fall out the pole. Two tough losses, back to back losses after having uh, 20 plus point leads. Both of them they let get away, which means they let their opportunity to win the conference championship and go to the Celebration Bowl. And they had like two of the tiebreakers, had the game at home against South Carolina State, which we will talk about a little bit, uh, because that game will determine whether South Carolina State will go into the Celebration Bowl with the winning record or not. So that's fascinating. But let's get into poll rankings. Number 10, Delaware State Hornets, as we talk about, 5-5, five 2-2. Five, two two. They are the team that uh, gave it to Norfolk State and ended everything they wanted to do in their season. They're not ranked. They jump in the poll. This is a team, if you think about it, five and five that beat Bowie State, the top team in the mid-major division, but it was a close one. Fascinating to see how that works out. At number nine, North Carolina Central Eagles, five and five, three and one. Uh, they remain at number nine. Uh, at number eight, South Carolina State Bulldogs, five and five, four and oh, uh, 31. A tough loss to North Carolina A&T that jumps back in the polls at number seven. North Carolina A&T State are now at 500, 5-5, five 3-3, five, three three, 42 points. Be interested in what they're able to do their last game to see if they can at least resurrect and come out of the season with a winning record and how they took that precipitous slide. That would be a statement in a lot of ways. At number six, Hampton Pirates, 5-5, five 3-3, five, three three, 46 points. Jump all the way up for number 10. Uh, teams out of the Big South, right in the middle of this poll, Hampton Pirates. They do have the win over North Carolina A&T. And they've kind of rebounded on a season that went south, so they're doing pretty well there. Top five programs, Alcorn State Braves, they jumped back in the top five after a couple of weeks being out of it or uh, in terms of that. Big win over Prairie View. They're at six and four, five and two, 72 points. Uh, major game this weekend. We'll talk about that as well. At number four, Alabama AM Bulldogs, six and three, four and three, 75 points. Four plays, big road victory for them, went down to the wire. Three wins, three losses, three wins. How did they finish the season? Uh, they're going in trending in the right direction when many people left them to dead with joke of the world for a while there. But at number three, Prairie Bay and the Panthers, they followed that two spot, but stayed in 
Number three at 72, 6 and 1, 76 points. And number two, yeah, Florida A&M Rattlers, 8 and 2, 6 and 1. Uh, move up a spot, 102 points. Started pretty high in the pole. And at the end of the season, they're finding themselves right back there. Only loss in terms of HBCU conference players to the number one team, Jackson State Tigers, first of the year. Who would have thunk it? A lot of people thought maybe that meant a lot, but we're starting to really see. 91-7-0, Jackson State with a big victory this past weekend. They now have all 13 first-place votes, 130 points, getting it done, starting with you, Charles. What are your thoughts in terms of the major division poll rankings? Well, first and foremost, let me uh, congratulate the South Carolina State Bulldogs uh, for getting to the Celebration Bowl. Uh, whatever happens in the SWAC, we know who the opponent will be. And I think a couple of years ago when we were looking at South Carolina State's program uh, with Buddy Pugh, we were questioning whether Coach Pugh was even going to uh, still be around. And they have resurrected things, turned everything around, and they are the MEAC representative in the Celebration Bowl. Uh, there is nothing more I can say about this Jackson State uh uh, game, uh, the number one team. Uh, you talk about a rivalry game. It was intense. It was fierce. Uh, it came down to a last possession, and, and Jackson State truly showed some championship medal uh, in terms of scoring 14 points down the stretch and and getting a key defensive stop. So uh, this game is going uh, going into this uh, all-point game this weekend. It's going to be huge. Uh, you know, it's just one of those deals, and I think uh, Coach Prime talked about it in the Monday press. Uh, you know, there, there will be no, you know, taking uh, players off this weekend or anything like that. Anytime the scoreboard is on, uh, everybody's on. So you got to keep your foot down on the gas. Yeah, I appreciate that about uh, – and anybody knew him, I don't know why y'all would even put that out there. They're going to sit some people. The only way they're going to sit some people, unfortunately, if the SWAC office mandates it. Other than that, they blame. And to your point that you said, Buddy Pugh, South Carolina State, what was interesting as I was on the call to MEAC football – um, through that game with North Carolina NT into the second quarter, the starting quarterback got hurt. Mm. Obviously, that hindered them in that game, but it's fascinating in terms of what that means against Norfolk State. Then we go on with the backup that was on the practice squad. Wow. I asked them the question in terms of does the fact that they finished early now give them a chance to um, get the backup ready in terms of the celebration bowl? He said, yes, but there's a chance that you can actually get the starter back. So you might mm -hmm. see two quarterbacks being played in that game, which is going to be an interesting dynamic. Obviously, you get all those players healed, which is something that may work in South Carolina State favor that a lot of people probably didn't think about that. But getting back to the poll rankings, Mike, what are your thoughts in terms of the major division? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, congratulations to South Carolina State. I We went into the season thinking – you know, could this be the same South Carolina State? You know, could they run the ball like they've done, you know, historically? Could they play defense like they have historically? You know, they've, you know, peaked and, and hit valleys. And, on, and you know, give it hats off to South Carolina State and the Bulldogs. They've done it. So they're in the Celebration Bowl. And hats off to uh, Jackson State on a hard-fought game. Um, I, I can't reiterate the fact that Alcorn State, when we started the season, you know, with their loss, you know, everybody had put them out, down and out for the count. You know, what's wrong with Alcorn State? Why were there, you know, players, you know, uh, pulling up ha with hamstrings and pulls in game one of the season? And they've slowly climbed their way up. They played Prairie View very hard, 
and held a very tough prayer view um, to, to a certain amount of yards, points. But now they come against Goliath in the East. So we'll <laughs> see how it goes. Can that defense of Alcorn State quell the offense of Jackson State? Uh, that'll be the question. We know, you know, Alcorn State has somewhat of a defense, but what can they do against that Jackson State defense? I mean, offense, you know, that'll be the question for me. Um, it'll be a hard ball game. Um, I expect, you know, well, we won't get into it. I'm, I'm sorry, Dr. Bill. I, let me, I don't want you to shut my mic off. So I don't know predictions. So, but, but that'll be the question for me. That'll be the game of the week is, you know, what will this Alcorn State defense do against Jackson State? It'll be interesting. Yeah, I see you trying to give out a little early hint. No, man, keep them wanting more. That's the name of the I know. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. My bad. I'm sorry. So you played it well. You caught yourself. Great job. Let's go to this first half break. We'll be back, and we're going to get into some of the Division II playoffs. We got two HBCUs. We may talk about did Savannah State get left out. We can talk a little bit about that more on the second half of the show. Stick with us as we get back into it as the lab lecture and fanatics are getting into it. Great comments. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. We'll be right back after this break. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High-quality cigars plus personal customer service with Slowburn. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. It's more than a mobile lounge. It's an environment and an experience rich in history, luxury, and personality. An elegant extension of any celebration occasion. It's the perfect escape and meeting place. A space where you can relax or enjoy a shared passion. Have Slowburn plan your next big event or before you are planning to celebrate your win over your athletic rival, you can shop our collections at www.slowburnwaco.com. But if they want to pass, uh, I'm going to do the dab, yeah. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want a lot left, and who the ball, so listen to Professor Yesa yes, and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Ville with Inside HBC Sports Lab with Professor Bishop, Professor Washington, digging in here and getting it to you. We're going to get into the Division II playoffs. We have two teams in. Question I have for you before we get into the breakdown of that, should there have been three? Should Savannah State, Savannah State out of SIC, should they have been in? When you talk about they were at eight, one of the teams leapfrogged them to get into the poll ranking as you, I mean, into the tournament. Uh, when you talk about Lenore Ryan and New, what were your thoughts in terms of what took place there? Quickly go to you, Charles. Should Savannah State have gotten in? I thought Savannah State should have gotten in. Uh, 
I think they had a lot of intangibles going in, uh, potentially going into the playoffs. Uh, the biggest thing, as I, I saw, they would like the number eight defense in the nation. And I really wanted to see how they would match up against a, t- a team. And for them to get leapfrog, I believe Savannah State's eight two on the season. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't understand it. Uh, but this is, you know, the, it, it's unfortunate. I, I really wanted to see how they would match up. And I thought they did have a worthy season uh, where they would be right in the mix for a playoff spot. No doubt. And we know all the rules and the governing parts of that. But even with that aligned, there still was a chance they got in there. So that's why question so to you mike what are your thoughts on that should savannah state have gotten in yeah i think unquestionably they should have gotten in um uh, not only on the defensive side they put up quite an offensive display as well so i don't know where they ranked uh, accordingly in fcs football but i just they were they were eight they were eight in that division and you know the six teams get in automatically uh seven really get in in terms of that, they were right out of that. But the team above them lost. But the team behind the nine jumped over them with the jumped win. over. So yeah, that was a surprise yeah. as you get into it. Uh, to your point. Yeah, yeah, I knew the team behind them jumped over, but I, I guess I didn't understand all of the criteria for allowing that team to jump over them. You know, well, with- that that was just how the they people on the selection committee. That's how they didn't necessarily have to jump over. That's what they selected to do. Uh, there is some formulas where if a team in terms of the four conferences, if they're in a second, certain spot, they automatically go in. But in this case, it was because they jumped them. So you have two teams from the SAC, three teams uh, from uh, the Gulf South Conference, a team from the CIAA and SIC. So that's the thing that's weird about that. I wanted to ask you that before you get in there as you're talking about that, because I think you jumped on the fact, yes, they should have got in. The other question I have for you before we break down these matchups, as I got you, Mike, on the tip of your tongue there, is the number one seed, Valdosta State, lost to West Florida. So a lot of people were talking about Saturday before that, would Bowie State, and to your point, Charles, Albany State move up. Would Bowie State get the number one seed, undefeated at the Division II level, play some teams outside of the conference that were yep. traditionally strong? Um, and so they did everything they could in terms of that, dominated the conference. Should they have gone the number one seed and had that bye and Albany State move up to two? Because those teams going in, they were at two and three. They won. But well, they made – the State lose, but they stayed at one. But then you had some teams that jumped over them because Bowie State – kept the number two, but you actually had Albany fall to four, which is Charles talking about since <laughs> Savannah State. Albany State fell to four with West Florida that did beat Valdosta State. They jumped all the way up to three. So sticking with you, Mike, what are your thoughts on that? And then I'll get your thoughts as well, Charles. That that looks like fuzzy bank to me. So first of all, you 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 take it you take a team like Bowie State and you look at their record and then you look at the team that lost that lost. And then you don't move Bowie state up based on their record in conference, I guess. Um, The question I ask is what weighs more in conference, out conference, win, out outside external conference, win, what weighs more with the committee? You know, what are the decision factors? I think that's, that's the thing, Mike, you know, all of this is subjective. 
So you're absolutely right. We can bubble it up yeah. back and forth and all these things. And you're absolutely right that they take all this criteria. But that's the thing. It's never level set. One group of folks will say strength of schedule, as AD points out, that Badosta had the second strength of schedule. But those things change. If that was the criteria for all the time, you could schedule yourself at least non-conference to play the yeah. toughest teams. But those variables change from year to year in terms of who's ever on the selection committee. So for me, it's like I'm always going to argue for whatever rationale I use to make the decision I make. So I'm not saying that we're not crazy. We read, we understand that part of it. We understand what they said. We understand who had the strength of schedule. We're asking the question, what is the problem with the consistency when you talk mm. about committee folks? And it's always a group of schools that no matter what the variables are at a given time, the consistency changes such that those programs that are seen as outliers never get the opportunity to create the resume that allows them to be in a position to take advantage of what they do in the season. So if the variables are always changing, it doesn't matter. And so I know that's kind of unfair to you, Mike, as you were in there, but I wanted to get that off. And before we get no. too far, I, I wanted to go to Charles and give you at least a decent comment on that. And then we'll, we'll kind of move around and get some things, the thought process. Well, real quickly, I, I, the, the question for me is, if Albany State was able to ascend, would they have allowed Savannah State to be? That's my question. Um, pro I would think so, that they probably would have got in there. Maybe that was the ultimate decision is we're not going to send them because we don't believe Savannah State should be in there. And if we do that, we have to put Savannah State in there. Um, and then I have a whole different formula that also says, too, and this is just the business and marketing side, which is funny to me because these folks always talk about how they market their program. If you, It's almost like the CFP that comes out, they talk about. If you put the same teams in there, at some point, you're going to get to the point where your fan base is going to be diluted because folks are not going to think they have a participation part in it. One of mm -hmm. the reasons that the NCAA tournament itself is so big is that you have so many teams in there and it gives you the opportunity, even though it doesn't happen very often, is that you have those opportunity to upsets. If you have the same program in there churning out, it becomes boring after a while and people tune it out because you only have a – certain segment of the country in this case are only certain programs that are always in a position. So the criteria that's set up is a major concern to me. Mm -hmm. Well, let's the, 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 one, the, one other, the one other point, if you'd allow me, is the NCAA looks at sometimes style points, point differential. Well, let's be careful with that because it's not the NCAA. It is a I know, it's not. of it's, folks that represent the NCAA. We talk about this I, NCAA as if they're this, this ultimate thing. It is membership folks that are ADs that are from these same conferences that sit on the committee and they get together and they create this criteria. So it's not just a NCA panel that is not folks. It's folks embedded. So all these folks are biased too. They're human. But but let me let me let me finish my point. The, the NCA does look at that. Now the NCA, if, it's not the NCA. If you say the committee, say the committee. The committee looks at that. It's not the NCAA. Yes. That is incorrect. The committee around. looks at that. The committee that represents. All right. When you look at style points for you, you talk about that. You when you look at style points for Bowie State versus Albany State, I would argue that Bowie State, if you were if that was one criteria, 
would have more advantage over Valdosta State if you look at style point. I wonder if that committee looks at that. That's my point. That's that. That's the problem. We don't know. They in this little quarantine camp, and they come out <laughs> and they ask four or five questions. And you try to ask them, and they just walk you around. Well, we looked at that. No, we didn't look at that. Maybe sometimes we look at that. So your question is valid, which is the whole thing that I'm bringing up. Is It's just like in this secret dungeon uh, where folks come up and they do the smoke. Do you, do you see the smoke coming out the chimney? Do we got a new pope today? I don't know. Whatever. But <laughs> it, it's ridiculous in a lot of ways. And, yes, I'm purposely making fun out of it. We'll get into the tournament. Teams get an opportunity, which is good. But don't try to sell me on the greatness of this stuff when we all know it's vagary and a lot of things going on. Obviously, we understand the competition is fun, and we're going to cheer for our schools. But don't sell me on more than that when that's not what it's about. So Absolutely. getting into the matchup. Number two seed, NCA. you got Lenore Ryan, Bears, historically white college, obviously, as you know, 8-2, and 6-2 on the season. They're at number one, Bowie State Bulldogs, 10-1-7-0. They did get a home game credit to um, those involved about that. Uh, they are, again, our number one ranking. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Then you have Albany State, who also got a home game. They will play uh, Gold South Conference, West Georgia Wolves, Historic White College, 8-2, and 5-2 and two at number two in our poll ranking, Albany State. Uh, that is the fourth seed for Albany State in terms of the NCAA tournament in that region, 10-1, and 6-0. So it's going to be fascinating. We'll get a chance to chop that up a little more on Thursday, but I wanted to at least put it out there in terms of what that looks like um, in terms of these matchups, so it's fascinating. But I wanted to get in some discussion in terms of the guidelines and the rules and just gives people a different perspective as we do it and jump into it. We'll be right back after this break. We'll get into the major division, talk about some of these key matchups this weekend. It's going to be fascinating. It's not over yet. It's really, really intriguing in terms of what that looks like in that. And so appreciate you, Mike, for allowing me to use you as we talk about going through that. I know you're very aware that it's a committee, the NCA. You set it up well for everybody out there to listen. So you give me a chance to kind of stick it out of my chest and do what I do. Appreciate you. Dr. Viz inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop. We'll be right back after this break, the fourth quarter. We do that. It's Paul Television. This is Carlos Brown letting you know that we're on the move. You can now catch the Carlos Brown Show beginning this July on the Black College Sports Network each and every Saturday from 11 to 1 Eastern Time. That's 10 to 12 Central Time. Same time, new place. On Facebook at the Carlos Brown Show and Black College Sports Network, online at www.mybcsn.net, and on the BCSN app, available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. 
Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. Press the analytic data with your hip-hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want to love that and who the ball, So listen to Professor, yes sir, and pay attention because he gon' teach us. This is Dr. Bill inside the HBC Sports Lab. In the break, you see Charles Bishop. He's already talking about the band Polo Thursday. And we're going to see the fallout. They get interested. See what goes on there. Uh, uh, as you know now, Norfolk State Spartans at number eight, South Carolina State Bulldogs. The Spartans are 64 22. South Carolina Bulldogs are 5 5 4 0, locking up a celebration bowl. We talked about that. Uh, uh, but uh, you're getting to the end of the season. Any thoughts on this matchup? Obviously, Norfolk State wants to make a statement, want to go in the offseason the right way, certainly don't want to lose the end of the season with three straight. We saw that with Langston at the mid-major level, a couple of other programs on the verge of having three straight losses. That's a tough way. South Carolina State obviously wants to go on and win. Uh, But as I said, they're playing the backup quarterback. I'm intrigued about this game in its own way based on what it means in terms of celebration both. Obviously, not so much what we thought going into of what it could be in terms of de facto MEAC championship game. Sticking with you, Mike, I'm going to start with you to make sure you get your time in there as I kind of pulled the mic from you earlier. What are your thoughts in terms of Norfolk State at South Carolina? I mean, South Carolina, excuse me, it should be South Carolina State at Norfolk State. Yeah, so um, I think North, uh, Norfolk State will want to make a different, but I think I, I see South Carolina State kind of pulling this one out, even though Norfolk State's leading, leading the league in total offense, scoring offense, whatever. South Carolina State just seems to have that formula. And, oh, by the way, Norfolk State is on the road. So I see South Carolina State kind of pulling this out. Um, I, I don't know. You, you, you want to say that they're going to play to win, but, you know, they're, they're looking – to try some different formulas out in preparation for the celebration bowl, from my perspective. So you may see some different looks for them. Um, so I expect the unexpected with South Carolina state, you know, you know, I expect them to win, but I expect to see a lot of different looks from South Carolina state as well. Um, Norfolk state. I, I, I look for them to at least make a good impression for recruiting purposes. Um, but we'll see. Um, but I look for a lot of different looks from South Carolina State as they prepare for the, the Celebration Bowl. Interesting. Trying to get more on film for whoever they play to have to dissect. Charles, mm-hmm. what do you think about this matchup? Yeah, I, I think we take a look at Norfolk State. Uh, these deflating losses, I think, could have a detrimental effect in terms of playing the South Carolina State team. Uh, and does it change the calculus of having – uh, a backup quarterback in there, definitely. But when you have a running back like Kendrell Flowers for South Carolina State, you just lean on him and lean on that offensive line. So I look to see a lot of, uh, of Kendrell Flowers in this game and trying to wear down this Norfolk State defense because we've seen them in the second half just kind of, I, I don't know, go off into the Netherlands. So I, I don't know what to say about it. It is befuddling to me uh, that Norfolk State uh, would would sort of flip the switch uh, in, in the complete – negative over the past couple of weeks. I'm very surprised. So uh, for that reason, I'm going to go with South Carolina State. 
Hey, check it out. Let's go off the script in the squack for the major division game. This was the championship game in the spring. It is Arkansas Pine Bluff, two and eight, one and six. They're at number four, Alabama A and M Bulldogs, six three, four and three. A lot of things about this matchup are interesting to me. Let me stick with you, Charles. I know to some people this is off the script, but we'll get into our big matchups on Thursday. They're key. We'll tease out a little bit to talk about not the matchup, but what they mean going forward. Uh, after we break down Arkansas Pine Bluff, Alabama A&M. What are your thoughts there in that game, Charles? I still got to go with Alabama A&M. They're still one of the most potent offenses uh, in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. I do not Boy, see... did we see that with 52 points against uh, Texas Southern. <laughs> 52 points against Texas Southern. I mean, that was tremendous. Uh, when you take a look at what Aquil Glass uh, has the ability to do when he has time to, you know, maneuver and find his receivers, I mean, he can really eat up defenses. So, uh, I have to go with the Bulldogs in this. Alabama A&M. Mike, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I have to go with the Bulldogs for a couple of reasons. Number one, that's going to be in Huntsville. Number two, we don't know. Mike, you, you know that means that you're West versus East. That's just hurting that even more, man. It's <laughs> I know, I know. But I, I got I to be honest. Um <laughs> You know, uh, Alabama A&M, what, they put 52 up on the board against TSU, which TSU scored 49. And, oh, by the way, Texas Southern did beat UAPB, if memory serves me correctly. They beat them convincingly earlier this year. So, you you know, the the stage is set. It's in Huntsville. Uh, Alabama A&M is playing on the upside. They You know, they kind of have rediscovered football, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> playoff the, the playoff picture whatsoever or the bowl or the championship they're still fighting hard i don't see that fight in uapb any football prognosticators or experts will say they don't see that fight just yet something has happened in this uapb machine so uh, for that reason i you you, you gotta expect that a- alabama a is gonna come out with a win rambling bags are different though rambling felt that fight this past weekend from uapb yeah, <laughs> very much so. Very much so. Uh, with that being said, I want to go into the Florida Classic this week. Mm. And then also, in terms of the Soul Bowl, as some people call it, the SWAC Classic now, if you would, is what they're calling it in terms of that. But I don't want us to go and break down the match. I want us to look at first FAMU as we go back and talk a little bit more about the playoffs, this one is for the FCS playoffs. FAMU wins. Uh, they are currently in the top 25. They win top 25 in terms of CBS poll last week when all three teams were in Prairie View. FAMU and Jackson State being the top-ranked team, obviously. Prairie View has fallen out of both that one and the FCS, but FAMU has jumped in the FCS poll. These polls are not part of the committee that we previously talked about, it is a committee of peers, so it's a different committee with same type of style. What are your thoughts about if FAMU is able to get it done against Bethune-Cookman in terms of important to the fans, they stopped that losing streak. (laughs) But, Mm -hmm. Mike, in terms of your thoughts, are they able to get into the FCS playoffs now that Jackson State has clinched that? Now we can really get in that conversation. If they're able to get this win, do they get in the bid to the playoffs? Mike. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
without question. And I think I, this this is the year to me that the streak ends. <laughs> I think I think FAMU has it. Um, their defense is phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. Bethune has played strong at times. They have a strong set of running backs, but I think this is the year that you see FAMU actually eclipse, you know, not only this battle, but make it and get a bid into the playoffs. And I think they'll actually do well in the playoffs because if you look at their upswing, it has gone, it has completely increased like an exponential function, not, not ex- a linear function. They have increased over the season. They started slow with an early loss and you look at their defensive and offensive output. They started with a very, a very new quarterback and you look at their performance over the course and it is steadily increased and improved. So I look for a strong performance from fam on both sides of the ball, all sides of the ball, knowing Willie Simmons. So uh, many of the posters out there and a lot of the FCS folks that do on the FCS board out there, they put out their poll rankings and things of that nature, put up their de facto weekly who's in the playoffs or not. I think they're in the second four out or whatever. They may have just moved into that first four out. Uh, mm. So many people, Jimmy, uh, a lot of folks, Tommy, uh, Thomas, don't think they're getting in. Uh, a lot of that's out there in terms of where they're on the rankings. So it'll be interesting to watch great entertainment TV. Lonnie Shaw jumps out there and says, family, you better watch out. BC is peaking. Uh, it might be nine in a row. I think it'd be 10, actually, the whole decade. I think it already is nine in terms of what that looks like uh, if Bethune-Cookman is able to get it. Bethune-Cookman has won two in a row. But, again, we're not talking about the game. We're talking about playoffs. Do they get in the playoffs, Charles? Uh, here's what concerns me. Uh, not only does FAMU have to win, but they better win convincingly. Uh, this is a two-and-eight football team that they're playing. Uh, so you can't have a close win uh, and leave it uh, to the committee. Uh, so to speak. Uh, you better go out there and, con- and convincingly get this W. Streaks are made to be broken. I do think FAMU is going to break the streak, but here's something interesting that I've seen with Jackson State in the past uh, couple of weeks. They've won, but they've been closer margins, and they've slid in the polls. So that's why I say FAMU has to win convincingly uh, to really make that emphatic statement. Second match. Style points. Yep. Style points. Style points makes fights. You're right. Good points there that you're making. And again, this is not a matchup. We'll save the breakdown in a matchup who we think may win that matchup as it's a swag game. We'll save that for Thursday. So stick with us. And we'll also do that for Jackson and Auckland. We'll talk about the matchups. But theoretically, if Jackson State for FAMU to get in, does Jackson State need to win big over Auckland in terms of that matchup? Obviously, it has its own ramifications of what that means for Prairie View in terms of the matchup. And if Alcorn gets it done, does that hurt FAMU sticking with that part of the formula? Not really looking at it. To your point, FAMU needs to win big. Does Jackson State need to win big in terms of trying to level set where they are in the poll going back to their first matchup? Sticking with you, Charles, what are your thoughts on that part of the formula? It bolsters Florida AM's resume. If Jackson State is able to go out and, and, and win big over Alcorn. Again, like I said, over the past couple of weeks, we've seen Jackson State win by smaller margins uh, of victory and they slid in the polls. So that's why, you know, I still will be kind of scoreboard watching to see if Jackson State 
uh, can put up a number, which is going to be extremely hard against Alcorn. It's a rivalry game. It's uh, it's Southern all over again. It's that same intensity, that same heat. So I, I don't know if we're going to see uh, this big swing uh, in terms of, 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 of point differential. I'm going to ask you that same question, Mike, but think about it like this. That was, is also intriguing to me. When you talk about strength of schedule and all these factors, each conference is a living and breathing thing in itself. And no matter how talented the team is, a rivalry is just that, a rivalry. So whether the rivalry is in the SWAC or the MEAC or if it's in the Southland, you know, the Big Sky, all these conferences, when you look at it, CAA, it's a rivalry game. So the intensity of that is what it is. Some folks get the benefit of the fact that it's a rivalry game. Other folks don't. So it's always fascinating to me how you look at that, too. But based on what I just asked Charles, Mike, what are your thoughts in terms of that part of it? Would it help FAMU if Jackson wins big? And as Charles said, do you think FAMU has to win big in itself? Well, number one, let me go to the does Jackson State have to win big? Um, I think they have to win convincingly. Um, however, they're playing a team with a better record. They had to, they're playing the despite the fact that Bethune better than what their record says, they're still two and eight. All right. So I think FAMU has to win convincingly and more impressively. I think um it behooves Jackson State to win convincingly. However, if they win by a touchdown or two, they're playing Alcorn, which is four and two in the SWAC and has, I forget, an overall record and has more of a history of winning SWAC championship. So you have to look at what the judges, what the what the committee or whoever the, the folks right. are deciding this looking at. And they're going to look at Alcorn defending SWAC championship. You beat them, you know, even if it's not as convincingly, you beat them. And I think Jackson State, that, that pressure of style points is not as much on them as it is on FAMU. All right, great point. Well said. Let's get out of here. Thanks all the lab lecturers getting in here and getting it done. Thank you for listening inside HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Khalil, the dean of HBC Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBC Sports with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Ville's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop, every Tuesday and Thursday right here at 6. Come back to us Thursday. We'll jump into those matchups. We'll go inside the matchups, inside the numbers, to tell you who we think will win these MEAC SWAC games of the week. Come back Thursday. We'll break that down. We'll get into a little bit of more of the playoff games, and we'll give you some inside thoughts about that. Obviously, we have the poll rankings, so we have a lot for you on Thursday. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles? Of course. Mike? Lecture. Dismissed.